Hey, welcome home to Cassidy Church. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here, and it is, it is awesome to be able to be here with you online and worship alongside you to celebrate what God is doing in this community, what God is doing in the world, and what God continues to do through the people called the church. And so I, I'm excited. If you are joining us for the very first time. Thank you for joining us. You are welcome here. We are glad that you are with us. We're on a, a sermon series called What If, which is all about potential. What if is the idea of, of the potential that God has in mind for us, that, that we too frequently live in if only, uh, but God has in mind for us to live in what if. And so we need to live in what if, not if only. That's the idea that we're, we're, we're working into in this sermon series. And so if you have joined us for the very first time, if you are there and you've been out there for, for years and years, uh, we are just excited that you're with us. Because in us, uh, we hope that you will find a group of people who are passionate about Jesus Christ. We know we're not perfect, but we know the one who is. And he wants us to grow in that relationship and to grow in our relationship with one another and to be more like Jesus. So uh, join us and, and, and walk alongside us and grow in that relationship. Hey, uh, a few years ago, well, actually quite a few years ago, when the lottery came to uh, Missouri, I had a, a good friend that was, uh, that was all about it. Uh, he was so into the lottery, just the mindset of all of the potential that you could get if, if he won, right? He, he wanted to, to win the lottery uh, so that he could build a compound for his family. He wanted a compound so that he and his wife had a house and, and that their kids had a house and, and that their in-laws had houses. And it was a massive compound. And in this guy's head, you know, it's just so much uh, so much possibility. And if only I could win that lottery, if only I could afford to build that, if only my kids could, could come and stay in the same area, if only all of those things would happen. And that's kind of where he was, is, is he was living in, in the regret that he didn't have enough money to do all the things that he had envisioned doing. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, we do that very same thing. Because when we look at money, we see security. It, it's going to keep us safe. We can afford the house we live in because of the money we have. Or, or we look at it as it keeps us healthy because we can afford medical care if we have money. Or it is our gift to ourselves for retirement. It can carry us into retirement. So our future is based off of money. And if we just have enough money in there, we can retire early and we can go and do the things that we've always wanted to do. Or it's a legacy. We can see that financially we can leave a gift for our kids or our families or our friends that can help them to live life differently than the way that we had to go through it. And all of those things make sense, but the problem is, the problem is that, that we put a lot of faith in our finances and in the treasures that we have here on earth. And, and, and the reality is, as money can have such a great hold on us that we can ignore the gift of Jesus so that we can keep it so that we can keep the money 
that we have. There was a, there's a story in the New Testament that Jesus has an encounter with a young man that's called the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler uh, comes to Jesus and falls at his knees and says, Rabbi, tell me, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, hey, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't do all of the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And, and the young man looked at Jesus and said, hey, all of those things I've done since my youth. And Jesus, it says, looked at him with love, that Jesus loved him for his response and for his heart. And then Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell all you have and come and follow me. And it says the man went away downcast because he had many possessions. The problem is we put a lot of faith in our finances rather than in our God. And, and, and far too frequently we hear this question, if only, or we have this statement, if only Jesus didn't want my money then things would be so much better. If, if only I didn't have to give to God for any reason, then, then, then things would be better. I've had atheists that come up to me and say, hey, you know, why does God want my money? <laughs> why, why does God expect, if God created the heavens and the earth, why does God want my money? Why does God need my finances? And the, and the problem is, is it's not the finances that God needs it's your obedience to the finances or your slavery to the finances that God wants to break you free from. That, that you have the opportunity to make a change in your life and it's one that's for the better. And the crazy thing is that this is real, that we don't see it in this way, that, that we put far more faith in finances than we do in, in God. And so Jesus talks a lot about money because money is such, is such a competitor for God because we put more faith in money sometimes than we do in following Jesus. And so Jesus has this, this set of sayings that comes from the, the gospel of, of Matthew, and we're going to be taking a look at that, and it's going to, uh, to help us to kind of understand what Jesus' perspective is and, and where our perspective needs to be so that we can go from living in an if only I had enough money to what if I took Jesus at his word? What if I believed that God really saw me as precious and moved me in that direction? And so Jesus starts, he says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus starts this by saying, hey, don't store up stuff on earth 
that, that can, can be stolen. Or he, he says that moths and, and vermin can come in and, and, and take. And we don't really get that a lot. But if you think about it, they're, they're not, the folks that Jesus is directly talking to are not talking about dollar bills or gold bars. They're talking about what they have that has value. So if they had a field and they had harvested that field, that grain would have value. If they had a cloth and they had prepared that cloth and set that cloth in, in a place of storage, that cloth has value. And what Jesus is saying is the value that you place on those items is not going to be ultimately the value that, that is, is kept because moths and, and, and vermin can come in and, and destroy all of the things that you have, or thieves can come in and steal. Now that one, we get a whole lot more clearly that thieves can come in and steal. But Jesus finishes that by saying, where your heart is, where your heart is, there you, is, that's the direction you're going to go. That's the thing that you're going to follow after. And so Jesus is saying, hey, we need to train our hearts. We need to tune our hearts to God, our Father in heaven, and, and the reliance that we have on that. Because if we don't, then our hearts can be filled with all kinds of greed and all kinds of insecurity. And we can buy into the idea that, that there is just not enough to go around. In, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says this, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus is trying to paint a different worldview here. Jesus is trying to give us uh, a kingdom worldview, not the worldview that the world wants us to believe. It's a, a difference between a mentality of scarcity, that there's just not enough to go around, that there's not enough money, there's not enough finance, there's not enough time, there's not enough, versus the idea of abundance. That God is an abundant God, that God gives generously, that God loves generously, that God wants us to embrace the generous nature of who he is and live into that. Jesus says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. <laughs> they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I don't know about you, but for me, th this, this worldview is so hard to embrace. And that's because every time, I, before I was Christian, every time I tried to, to, to realize it, uh, I tried to uh, realize that money wasn't the end all or be all or do all of my life, it just kept proving me wrong. I mean, when I, when I my first job in the Navy, I made $635 every two weeks. Uh, and, and after paying rent and food and fun and all of the things that money buys for us, I didn't have a whole lot of money left at the end of my, uh, my uh, week. And so I was always thinking to myself, man, if I just had $200 more, if I made $800 a paycheck, the, the whole world would be different. 
Interestingly, when I made $800 a paycheck, I thought to myself, man, if I only made $1,000 a paycheck, if I only made $1,500, if I only made... The idea is this, that no matter how much money we make, we live into that money. We learn how to spend it, and we, our tastes and our, our purchases go up in price because we can afford nicer things. We don't have to buy a Toyota Corolla for years and years and years and drive that. We can afford to buy something a little bit nicer. We don't have to buy the, the, the bargain basement Pop-Tarts. We can get the valuable, you know, the real Pop-Tarts. We don't have to buy the, the price cutter Pop-Tarts. You know, it's this idea of we can get things that we deserve, and that's the world teaches us that it's all about that. And we buy into it. And Jesus says, the world is not really like that. And, and, and I want you to hear me. Jesus says that, not just Steve. Jesus says, the world is not really like that. The world is governed by fear and, and this sense of, uh, of a lack of abundance. But, but your Father in heaven is an abundant God, and he wants to bless you more so than you can ever imagine. And it's important that we listen because Jesus says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If you're doing the things that God wants you to, if you're living into that what-if potential and instead of the if-only regret, then, then you're going to be filled with light and, and your eyes will be full of light as well. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. If you're living in a mindset of scarcity instead of living into God's abundance, how great that darkness is within you. Your fear, your confusion, your, your, uh, your longing for so much more is, is held back by your fear of, of what is to come. Your, your con concern over your finances holds you back from living into your potential. Your concern over your worldly treasures hold you back from your potential. And, and I just want to say, I'm saying you a lot, your potential, it's us, it's our, because I'm right there with you. I understand the value of, of the almighty dollar. And the joke that we have as pastors is, hey, we talk about how money shouldn't be the thing that we are pursuing on earth, but man, it sure does make ministry a whole lot easier. Man, it sure does make buying cars a whole lot easier. It just makes life seem to go easier. But Jesus wants us to recognize that that's, that's a limited worldview, that that worldview doesn't paint the full picture. And so he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to, to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. This is why Jesus talks a lot about the Bible, about money. This is why Jesus talks continually about finances, not so that you will give your money to God, not so that you will uh, be able to finance the mission and ministry of God's church, although that is part of it, but so that you will be liberated from the scarcity mindset, and that you will be inaugurated into 
the, the mindset of abundance, that our Father in heaven has so much more in mind for us than we give him credit for. So the real question is this, what if you owned your money and didn't let your money own you? Because that's the reality of a scarcity mindset. The if only I put enough money away, if only I save for long enough, if only I work hard enough. And God says, what if you came over to my side and you saw the abundance that I am making available to you? What if you submitted yourself before me and made that change? And friends, I just wanted to tell you that I was the chief of all reluctant givers. I was the one who didn't want to give a penny. I, it really hurt me to give because I, I needed all of my money. I was a single dad and I was trying to raise two kids. I need all the money that I'm making, God. I would show up to church and, and I, would, I, would, I'm, I made the, the decision that, hey, our kid, my kids are eating donuts on Sunday morning, and I, I need to give something for the donuts. And, and maybe I'll give a little something for the entertainment value of it. So I would put like a $20 bill in there because that's about the same price as going and getting donuts and having, having some entertainment for a few hours, somebody to take care of the kids for a little bit when they were in childcare, and, and I could experience the worship service. And, and so I would put $20 in, and, and, and Sunday after after Sunday after Sunday, I would put $20 in. And one Sunday, there was that dreaded sermon on money where the pastor had the gall to get up and talk about finances. And he told us that his son, who was in college, was working a part-time job. And, and, and that son was in the top 15% of givers at the church. The church was in St. Louis and one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in St. Louis. And, and, and so what I heard was this kid that has a part-time job is giving more than, than most everybody at the church, and it convicted me. It made me feel guilty because I knew what the Bible said, that, that a tithe is 10%. I knew what that was, and, and I, was, I was heartbroken by it, but I was also angry. Maybe you're like that. When, when you hear about that, you, you have all the excuses lined up, and I had them. I was just laying them out for God. Well, God, I, I don't know how you would expect me to do that. I could never do that. You know how much money I make. You know how much money I'm having to spend on the kids. You know, you know, you know. And the truth is, I was living into an if-only mindset. And so me, the chief of all reluctant givers, said, fine, fine, God, I'll, I'll, I'll give in. I'll give in, and I will, I will give the way that you have asked me to give. I will write that check, and, and I, I know that it's going to fail. But, you know, Micah tells us this, that in everything, in, in all things, that, that we can test God in one thing, and that is in being generous to God, that God will be generous to us. And so I was like, fine, you tell us that we can test you in this. Well, I am going to test you, right? I, I really had a bad attitude about it. Maybe you can hear that in the way that I'm conveying it. But I really believed that it was all going to fall apart, that I was going to give this check for 10% and my kids were going to starve. In my mind, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make, make the payments on the house. I, I wasn't going to be able to afford the food. I wasn't going to be able to afford gas. I wasn't going to be able to afford childcare. I wasn't going to be able to afford all of these things. And so I wrote the check 
And I remember payday came and I was like, well, this is it, God. If you want to tell me I can stop, please let me know. And I remember putting it in the offering plate. And in my mind, I thought, man, I hope that doesn't bounce. Because that's how close I lived on the finances that I had. And, and what happened was I never looked back. That ne- two weeks later, I, I put another check in. And two weeks after that, I put another check in. And, and then I started to recognize that God was doing more with my 90%, helping me to budget, helping me to spend more wisely than I ever had done with my 100%. I was more frugal. I was more caring. I was more focused on the finances that I had so that I could do the things that I needed to do. And, and it, it lit me up because I, I, I was, it was unexpected. I did not believe that that's what would happen. But friends, I have, I have continued that process my entire life. After that first moment. I have continued to give generously to the church because that's what we're called to do and because it made a difference in my life. I felt the freedom and the liberation and the trust that I had for God in taking that step of generosity. And so maybe some of you are sitting out there and you've got all your excuses lined up and you're like, there is no possible way. I cannot do it. Uh, welcome to my world. That's exactly where I was. I wanted to give us, maybe, maybe instead of just jumping in to the deep end and hoping for the best like I did, uh, maybe there's a pathway, a better way that we can go from where we are to where God is calling us. And so I wanted to start with this. If you're a non-giver, if you don't give at all, ever, then take a baby step. Take a baby step and become an occasional giver. Give occasionally so that you can start the process. Uh, Maybe this is only on Christmas and Easter. Maybe this is just when you are uh, able to be here and you're you're putting in some. Just be an occasional giver. That's, That's a baby step. Now, if you're an occasional giver, move to one of intentional generosity. Here's what that looks like. You give a set amount every week, a set percent every month. Maybe it's 1%. Maybe it's half of a percent. Whatever it is, it's an intentional set of generosity. You're moving in the direction of Jesus. And every step we take closer to Jesus, Jesus rejoices and, and, and draws close to us because that's all that this is about. This, again, isn't so that, that we have just buckets of money here at the church. It's so that we can do ministry in the world around us. And so if you have, have stepped into that, I, I just want to encourage you to make the next step. So if you're already being intentionally generous, that you give a set amount, that, that work your way toward the biblical understanding of a tithe. That's 10% of the finances that you have coming in. And, and I, I hear all the time, well, is it 10% on my net or 10% on my gross? And uh, I've heard uh, from, from multiple pastors the question really is, do you want to be blessed on your net or on your gross? I don't know. That's between you and God. The idea is this, to move in the direction of being more and more generous by giving more of a percent. So if you're at 1%, uh, move to 2%. If you're at 2%, move to 3%. If you're at 9%, move to 10%. 
to the biblical tithe. Now, for those of you that are sitting out there and you're like, man, we are at the biblical tithe, so I'm good, check mark. I just wanted to encourage you that God does not uh, limit us to a check mark. God says, hey, if you're a biblical tither, you can move to extravagant generosity. You can move into a direction that will change you even more uh, and, and allow you to, to recognize and truly live into this belief in, an, in a God of abundance instead of a world of scarcity. Friends, this is the opportunity that Jesus calls us to. This is the, the hope that we have, the promise that we have, the truth we have in Jesus. And I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I know how hard it is to hear and to take these steps. Uh, but I also, on the other side, know what it is to live that life on the other side and to rejoice in a God of abundance, to rejoice in a God that cares for my needs, to rejoice in the fact that I am freed from my faith in finances over my faith in God. I hope that you'll join me on this journey as we grow deeper in love with Jesus Christ and we submit more and more of ourselves over to him. What if we really took seriously God's call on our life? What if we believed that Jesus came and did all the things that he did? What if we believed all the things that Jesus said are the things that we need to do? And what if we took action to make that happen? Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, we rejoice. We rejoice in all of the gifts that you have given to us in the way that you are generous to us. And Father, we just ask that you would help us to respond in generosity to the world around us, that we would make a difference on behalf of Jesus Christ, that by your great power and your great uh, passion within us, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves and we would make a difference in the world around us, whether it's through our finances or through uh, our time or through any other means that we can share with the world, that we would be passionate about doing that. Help us to, to follow you faithfully. Help us to submit our lives over to you and help us to be more and more like Jesus each and every day. We pray this in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.